get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. We are broadcasting live from the E&B Granite Studio at the Team Community Ice Center. And right now, we are going out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by our friend Kylie McDaniel of ESPN.com, where he is both a baseball insider and also a prospects guru. For my money, one of the best in the business at doing it. Kylie, we appreciate the time as always, man. How are you doing today? Doing great. Great to be back on the celebrity line. Never been interviewed from a community ice center. Just a lot of stuff going on today. I'm really excited. <laughs> it, it is a lot going on. Uh, all right, Kylie. I wanted to start with a conversation that we had yesterday whenever we saw your article breaking down the top 100 prospects. And we started with Nolan Gorman, who's at number 18 on your list. And I love your comp form. You said, he reminds me of Max Muncy-ish. When you say he reminds you of Max Muncy, are you talking about the player that he is currently, how he struggled early on in his career, and it took him a little bit of time to really become the Max Muncy that we know now? What do you mean by Max Muncy-ish in terms of a comp for Nolan Gorman? Well, I mean ish because when you try to like draw comps, you want to do it with guys that have you know at least played in the big leagues in the last couple of years. Ideally, a good big leaguer. Uh, and when you start doing that, you realize like, well, I need a you know left hand hitting infielder. It's like you know more power than contact. Maybe draws a few walks, plays third base, and like that specific of a comp basically doesn't exist. And so then I start looking around, like, well, who plays like first base and a little second base and has some power? And I'm like, all right, Max Muncy. Like that's you know like if you, if you pick four or five things about him, like at least two or three of them are correct about Noah Gorman. Uh, so yeah, he's like in that area after the Dodgers sprinkled their magic pixie dust on him, like that version of him. I think he can do something like that. Where do you? How long, Kylie, do you feel like it is until we get the peak of Nolan Gorman? Because I think a lot of people are expecting that first moment they get to see him, he's going to be that standout stud. But let's be honest, that doesn't happen right away. But do you see him getting to that level quickly, or does it? Is it going to take some time? So he's one of those guys that's gone pretty quickly through the minors. He was ID'd as early as like sophomore, junior in high school. Uh, typically guys that hit for power in the big leagues take a little bit longer to sort of find their strides. Obviously the most complicated thing to do, it's not just to make contact, it's to make contact hard all the time against a lot of different kinds of pitches. Uh, he's also in the middle of, you know, maybe in the middle, maybe toward the end of learning a different position other than third base. He's played his whole life. So I think he might take a little bit longer than the average guy. It might take a couple hundred at bats, half a season, maybe a full season for him to really hit his stride and be like, all right, this guy can be in the lineup every day. We don't have any reservations. And then, you know, maybe a season or two, maybe he's 
Uh, you know, he's 21 in nine months right now. I would say around 24, 25. I think you'll see, all right, he's hitting 20, 25, maybe 30 homers. Like, this is like one of the best guys on our team. Like, you think you need to be a little bit patient with him. Uh, I'm, I'm not projecting Acuna Soto like Tatis, like, <laughs> takes the, the league by storm kind of rise. When you look at Nolan Gorman, and this is my final question that I have on him specifically, Kylie, do you think it would be a disservice to him to play him at DH this year? Like the Cardinals are looking kind of internally for their candidates for that spot right now. And it seems like that would be a good spot for him, especially when they've got a gold glove second baseman right now. And you're not moving your first or third baseman off of their spot for Nolan Gorman. Is it okay to have him be a DH in his first season in the big leagues in your mind? Well, if you ask him, I know he would say yes. I got to scout him a little bit. I was covering the West Coast for the Braves, uh, and we were very close to drafting him uh, the, year, the year that I was out there, and it was his draft year. Uh, I, I know him well enough to know that he has the mental fortitude to handle not playing the field. If, I mean, if you look at it statistically, there is something called the DH penalty where hitters perform less well as hitters when they're DHing because they basically just have to sit and twiddle their thumbs in the dugout the whole game, and they you know hit worse as a result. Um, so long term, obviously you don't want to do that. It's not what you're getting at, but for one season, can he handle that? Sure. I don't have any problem with him, uh, handling that issue. And like you said, like there's sort of an issue where there's not like a, a gaping hole in the lineup that you need him to walk into. So it's sort of like, you know, a freshman on Alabama or Georgia, you know, playing college football, like, Oh, I'll play special teams and then be the backup here and just get me on the field. However you can, you'll see what I can do. If you're a good player, you'll find a spot and you'll, and you'll stand out. Kylie, that DH effect, could that impact Juan Yepes? And I know a lot of Cardinals fans have talked about Juan Yepes. Our producer, uh, Tanner Hendrickson, uh, is in love with Juan Yepes. He but, says not to go out and sign Nelson Cruz because you got Juan Yepes. Yeah, but I mean, like, if Juan Yepes is sitting around twiddling his thumbs as the DH, could that affect him with the Cardinals this year? Well, on the bright side, Juan Yepes, I don't think brings a lot to the table defensively. I think he's a first baseman that you like aren't embarrassed to put at third base, and so I think DH is probably his second best position. That so, like whatever you're losing offensively, you're also not putting him on the field. Not that he's terrible, but like you're not trying to get him out on the field. Whereas Gorman can play a couple positions well. He doesn't really play corner outfield, but he could play those pretty well too. Uh, so yeah, Yepes, and Yepes also is not going to be like a you know three to four WAR making fifteen million dollars in free agency kind of guy. So like he's there to fit in the hole that you have, and the hole you have is DH, and you know sort of backing up a couple other positions. So yeah, I think that that fits in pretty well. What are realistic expectations in your mind for Yepes, Kylie? I mean, I think he could hit, you know, 260, draw a few walks, hit 25 homers. Like, I don't know, it seems like every time the Cardinals decide, like, you know, we got Tyler O'Neill, and then we got Harrison Bader, and then here comes Tommy Edmond, and just a bunch of guys that, like, aren't really top 100 guys, aren't, like, the most hyped guys, and just all of them within a year or two are, you know, doing more than you think and really producing. Like, he's in line with those guys talent-wise where he's on a trajectory where he could be an above average everyday player, which at a corner, you know, means 25 homers and making decent contact. I wouldn't necessarily expect that, but like he's basically done everything he could do short of doing that. Would you feel comfortable with him going into the year as your starting designated hitter? Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to have a sort of left-handed compliment. Uh, that's either a bench bat that can fill in there or a guy that's, you know, maybe playing a corner could slide over there. Cause uh, if, if you're not positive about your DH spot, or you're you know, rotating guys that normally play the field, that's where you let them rest. You'd like to have a lefty and a righty option, ideally, or else then all of a sudden, uh, you know, one might not be playing so much. Uh, but yeah, if he's, if he's the main guy, I think you're fine. And also, you know, saving another $12 million 
that you could spend somewhere else by not getting Nelson Cruz, who, you know, eventually he's going to fall off uh, the edge of the cliff here. Who knows when it'll be? Maybe he'll be 55, but <laughs> it's not going to go on forever. So, so, Kylie, when you talk about the Cardinals' top prospects, you know, Nolan Gorman's there, Jordan Walker's there, and then there's Matthew Libertor. And I heard somebody talk about Matthew Libertor's potential a couple of days ago and they talked about how he might not have that ace potential but he could be a legit peak number two do you see that with Matthew Libertor or do you see a potential ace in him uh don't see an ace uh now to be clear for the you know the more casual baseball listener I define and I think most scouts and you know front office evaluators define an ace as like eight to twelve guys at any given time uh so obviously there's not even 30 of them I think the average fan would assume there's 30 aces so to say he might not be, I don't think he will be one of the eight to 12 best pitchers in baseball for like multiple years in a row. Cause you can, you know, have the 12th best war as a pitcher. I don't think most scouts would call you an ace at that point. You got to do it a couple times. Like there's like two or three guys in the minors that I think actually have a chance to do that. And they're all like in the top, you know, 20 or 30 of this list. And leave towards a 93. Uh, I think two would be sort of a best case scenario. He's basically above average at everything. Like he'll throw a sinker 92 to 94, uh, above average to plus breaking ball, good changeup, throws a slider, throws strikes, big guy, durable lefty, has been, you know, he's 22 now, but he's been a guy since he was like 16, 17 out in the Phoenix area, drafted out of high school. Uh, you know, those sorts of guys tend to overperform as opposed to like, the, you know, the late pop-up college guy that goes in the 12th round and kind of becomes a prospect later. He's done everything he can do. It's just when he was 16, 17, people thought he'd be sitting 96 and would turn into Blake Snell. And now it's like, you know, not quite that. It's a little below that. But, you know, every now and then you'll run into a guy like the most recent ace in baseball that was sort of like this was Cliff Lee. He was on waivers and was an ace like three years later and was like sitting in the low 90s. And Dallas Keuchel won a Cy Young for an 88 to 91 from the left side. Like this can be done. He has, Libertor has the ability, if he's going to have that kind of pitch ability and being able to make the most out of what he has, he has the tools to do that. It's just one in a thousand guys that does it. And he's you know, near the top of that list, but still unlikely. I think he's probably a number three starter if I had to project him. We're talking to Kylie McDaniel, MLB insider and prospects guru for ESPN.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at KylieMCD. Kylie, I did want to ask you about the top prospect in the system right now, a guy that every Cardinals fan and the Cardinals themselves are unbelievably excited about, and that's Jordan Walker. You look at some of the numbers that they've talked about in terms of the exit velocities that he had uh, down in high A ball last year. It was, it was pretty remarkable in terms of the stuff that he was doing down there. What do you see from him in terms of what he could potentially be? And just out of curiosity, how far away do you think he is from getting up to the big leagues? 19 years old, so it it feels like he's still a ways away. But once he gets a double A, which doesn't seem that far away from him, he might be closer than I expect. Yeah, I think he'll probably do some combination of high and double A for the majority of this year. And then, yeah, if he continues performing the way he is, then 2023, it's basically how quickly do you want to move him how quickly can he, you know, get thrown in the deep end at AAA and figure it out? Do you need him in the big leagues? Are you going to try to mess with the service time? Like those, those become the questions at that point. Uh, and he would be, you know, basically turning 21 at the time when you'd be considering it, which is essentially as fast as these guys can come, you know, short of being Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. Um, so he's really exciting talent. I think he was actually, he's one of a couple guys that was hurt uh, a lot by the pandemic because he came out of the gates. I mean, he's from the Atlanta area. I think I'm actually zoned to his high school right now. I live in Decatur. He was Decatur High School in the Georgia, in the Atlanta area of Georgia. Uh, he was good over the summer. Everybody liked him. Raw power, could hit, played third base. But he had like some questions. Like, ah, is he going to get too big for third base? Like, he makes contact, but will it be enough contact? And he came out of the gates and looked a little bigger, 
didn't look like he was a slam dunk third baseman, swung and missed against some kind of mediocre pitching in the first like big event of the spring, and then everything ended. And so he didn't get that chance that a lot of high school guys take advantage of, where, you know, maybe, you know, get, gets into playing shape throughout the year, improves uh, defensively at third base, faces some better pitching. Sometimes these guys face kids that are on 78 miles an hour, they swing and miss, and they look bad. And they face 90, put a wood bat in their hands, and they look better. He just didn't have a chance to do that stuff. And so he went 21st overall. He very well could have gone 10th or 12th uh, with a full season. And so, as you guys mentioned, the exit velos are insane. Like, this is, you know, if it hits perfectly, it might be 30 to 40 home runs. It's still a little iffy at third base, but I, there's a history of guys like this figuring it out. Uh, Austin Riley, Gorman is another one. People didn't think he could play third. Now he's playing second. So I'm not that worried about it. And he was, you know, got promoted to high A and struck out a little bit more, but still held, held his head above water as a teenager. So this guy's a chance to be special. I think I ranked him back to back with Gorman. I think thinking he will turn into Gorman is a very reasonable sort of median of expectations, but because of how quickly he hit the ground running, uh, the approach, the raw power, that kind of stuff, he's got more upside, but there's also a chance he goes down that Juan Yepes area and it's a right-handed hitting, probably first baseman, you know, more power than hit, like could be pretty good. Like that's the risk you're taking with ranking this guy that high. He could go down the Gorman track, he could go down the Yepes track, or he could blow both of those guys away and be an all-star. We're talking to Kylie McDaniel for another couple of minutes here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Kylie, the thing that stands out to me about the Cardinal system right now is it's like the anti-Cardinal system from what it's been in years past. They've got two guys that project to be uh, really big-time power bats in Jordan Walker and Nolan Gorman, and you don't have a ton of pitching that we're talking about, whereas in the past it's been mostly pitchers that they've uh, brought through the ranks. Do you have guys other than Matthew Liberator in the Cardinal system right now that stand out to you as being potentially interesting, even if not stars? Uh, yeah, there's two sort of college arms that have been drafted high. Zach Thompson, I think it was two years ago, first-round pick, and then Michael McGreevy was first-round pick last year. I think they're both in the conversation to be maybe third, probably more fourth starters, which is why they're ranked behind Liberator. The guy that I think is exciting behind them is Markevian Hintz. Uh, he goes by Tink Hints. Might see him called that in some places. Yeah. He didn't pitch a lot last year. He was real raw coming out of high school. Didn't throw a ton of innings. Uh, they kind of you know took it slow with him last year. But he has one of the cleanest, quickest arms you've seen. Really good athlete. Can throw strikes. All the components are here. Chance for two-plus pitches. Sits in the mid-90s. But again, it's still pretty early. Still a teenager. Hasn't gotten out of the complex yet. If you're looking for like uh, an, an interesting, upside, exciting, potential electrifying pitcher, that's your guy. And that, that might be the only guy in the system. There's another guy drafted at high school this year, Alec Willis, out of Colorado. Just big dude, throws hard, pretty good breaking ball, a little different kind of guy. Hints has the potential to be a top 100 guy with like 10 or 12 good starts. Like He's thought of that highly, that if he just shows it on the field a little bit, he'll be up in that conversation. Final question that I've got for you, Kylie. What do you find most interesting about the Cardinal system right now? So I mentioned this in the uh, in the blurb that I wrote for the uh, farm ranking say that went up. They were the rank 14th. Uh, where because the Cardinals don't have the biggest payroll, uh, they also like have to have a point of view when it comes to draft and international signings and uh, player development. They can't just do what everybody else is doing because like I don't know, 15 or 20 teams right now are doing a version of oh we're going to do like you know the number stuff like what you know Houston did and now Baltimore's doing and you know Cleveland Toronto are doing and like half of those teams which is essentially a third of the league uh are doing like a lame knockoff of it and like are five years behind the smart teams and trying to copy all uh all the Dodgers and, and Giants and Rays sort of influenced teams and just not doing that good of a job and you know trying to hold on to their jobs as long as they can 
And the Cardinals are doing a totally different thing. Like there are a lot of teams that were like making fun of Michael McGreevy leading into the draft because like his fastball shape wasn't the kind of shape that two thirds of the league is looking for. But the Cardinals have like a long track record of looking guys like Luke Weaver that fell to the back of the first round, like Jack Flaherty got to the back of the first round and finding the guy that is a little underrated uh, Gorman and Walker, both, you know, slid in the draft. We sort of talked about both of those a little bit for reasons that aren't totally clear. And like Libertor had like not a great first season in, uh, in the minors. And then St. Louis picked him up on, on discount. And now he looks like he's going to be like a big league middle of the rotation guy. I haven't heard signed for $200,000 out of Panama. Now he's a top 100 prospect. I, and so I think their development, their scouting, like everything they're doing is uh, just unique enough that they're sort of zigging while everyone else is zagging. They're not like sort of falling into these trends. And so, you know, when you talk to a Cardinals executive, you're like, all right, talk to me about McGreevy. And it was like, we think is the best chance to throw 200 innings in the middle of a rotation out of every guy in this draft. It's like, okay, yeah, you tend to be right about these sorts of things and you're doing your own deal. It makes sense that you take a guy that like not every team was doing a backflip for at that point, but like you've been right about guys like this. Do you think their emphasis on defense at the big league level right now, do, does that kind of play into their ability? Like, it, I think that was the biggest reason why they signed Steven Matz this season, for example. Like, here with this defense, a ground ball guy who's going to put the ball in play, doesn't have a high strikeout rate, I think he's got a chance to have a lot more success here because of the defense that's behind him. Do you think that also plays into some of their drafting ideas? Yeah, and I also think, uh, I mean, if you talk to these guys and, 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 you know, get the scouting directors, you know, being real honest with you, they'll admit, like, it's really hard to tell, you know, once you get past the first couple of picks to tell this guy apart from that guy. Because, you know, all the fans and fanboys will be like, oh, just take the best available player. It's like, after the first three players, it is not clear who the best available player is. Like, they're all kind of the same. And you got to decide, do you want a guy that makes contact or a guy that might swing and miss and make power? Or do you want, like, a pitcher that's raw or a pitcher that's, you know, polished? And, like, each of these types, you could pick one of them and it would be, you know, kind of reasonable. And every couple of years, maybe you think you have a point of view, like the Indians sort of famously nailed a bunch of college pitchers because they're like, we'll take guys that throw strikes and we'll teach them how to throw hard. And now literally every team is like, oh, it's like sort of like an Indians kind of pick. Like we're, you're, I guess, guardians now. It's like we're taking one of those guys, like a guy that throws strikes. It's like every team thinks they can do this now. There's no value in that kind of guy anymore. So you have to sort of be nimble. And I, I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past, like, uh, the Cardinals were looking at like guys that make contact and guys that throw strikes and are pretty good athletes. That was kind of their type. And I think every couple of years they sort of migrate towards slightly different types as everybody else reacts to what they're doing. So they can kind of have an edge on people. So like, I think once I decide, Hey, this is what the Cardinals are doing. They've probably already moved on to something else. That's interesting. He's Kylie McDaniel. You should read all of his work. It's really excellent over at ESPN.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at Kylie MCD. Kylie, we always enjoy these conversations. Thanks so much for the time today. We look forward to talking with you again soon. Hopefully next time it's about baseball actually taking place on the field. Given my dog scout sitting here the whole time being very quiet. She says hello as well. (laughs) We appreciate (laughs) that. That's successful in itself. That's a good dog right there. Kylie, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me.